0: I invite you to open your Bible, or one of the pew Bibles, to the book of Acts, chapter 15, as we continue through this sermon series. Let us ask the Lord's blessing upon the reading and hearing of His holy word. Our Father, we thank You for Your word, which is written for our instruction, and we pray that You would speak by the power of the Holy Spirit and that you would grant to us spiritual wisdom, discernment and insight as we hear your word. We pray that you would open our hearts as we hear your word and we pray that you would change our hearts and renew our minds and transform our lives more nearly into the likeness of of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please give your full attention to the reading of God's holy, inerrant Word from Acts chapter 15, beginning at verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought it best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And now unto him who loves us, who has freed us from our sins by his blood, to Jesus Christ be all praise, honor, and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Oh, oh, no. I'll explain what I mean by that in a minute. But first, a little review to provide the context. For the past two Sundays, Pastor Jonathan has been leading us through Acts 15, which tells us about a very, very important event in the life of of the early church, the Jerusalem Council. This was the first time that the apostles and elders in Jerusalem had to resolve for the whole church the, the entire growing Christian move, movement, they had to resolve a serious theological controversy which struck right at the heart of the gospel. This controversy had to do with the question of whether Gentile Christians had to be circumcised and obey other ceremonial and dietary laws of Judaism in order to be saved. Now, as Pastor Jonathan explained... This controversy of the first century may seem rather strange and foreign and irrelevant to us, but it is not irrelevant because at stake in this controversy was the question, what is the basis of our justification before God? How is a sinner made right with God? And the Jerusalem Council essentially said what we read elsewhere throughout the New Testament. That salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And there's nothing irrelevant about that. So the bottom line is that the Jerusalem Council brought the early church out of theological conflict and controversy into greater clarity and unity. Yay! And the Apostle Paul and Barnabas as a team played a very important and prominent role in that historic decision made by the Jerusalem Council. And so Paul and Barnabas, together with two others, one of whom was Silas, were chosen to take the council's letter to the Gentile church in Antioch of Syria. And and the decision of that council was received with great joy by the Gentile Christians in Antioch. And, And Paul and Barnabas remained there in Antioch teaching and preaching the word of the Lord. Paul and Barnabas were a great team a Christian dynamic duo. Oh, no. Oh, no. Because after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with him John called Mark. Mark. But Paul thought it best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they were separated from each other. Oh, no. And so, as John Calvin comments, we ought to be admonished. Admonished by this example that unless the servants of Christ take great heed there will be many chinks through which Satan will creep in to disturb the concord among Christians Satan is out to destroy the peace between believers now If it could happen to Paul and Barnabas, do you think it could happen to you and me? Let us take great heed. Who was Barnabas? Let's review. Barnabas was a highly esteemed member of the mother church, the original church in Jerusalem From the very beginning, he appears early on in Acts chapter 4. And later, Barnabas introduced Saul of Tarsus, Paul, to the apostles in Jerusalem soon after Saul's conversion during the time when the believers in Jerusalem were still afraid of him because he had been such a terrible persecutor of the church but Barnabas vouched for him. Barnabas took his side, convinced the apostles and the other believers that Saul had become a trustworthy follower of Jesus. In Acts eleven twenty four, 24, Barnabas is described as a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Later, Barnabas went to Tarsus, Saul's hometown, to team up with him, to to get him as a partner. And together for a whole year, they ministered together in the church in Antioch where the disciples were first called Christians. Paul and Barnabas brought the emergency relief offering to the impoverished believers in Jerusalem during the great famine. And then they returned from Jerusalem back to Antioch from where they were sent out on their first missionary journey. And you remember, together, Barnabas and Paul suffered violent opposition and persecution. You remember that Paul was actually stoned and and left for dead. But the next day, he and Barnabas Continued on their journey. Barnabas was steadfast, courageous, side by side with Paul through it all. Now, what happens when you and another person are working side by side on a project toward a goal? It might be at your place of work. It might be on a sports team. It might be in service in the community or in the church, or it, it might be a mission project locally or internationally. But, but what happens in terms of human psychology and human relationships when you are working side by side with someone over a significant amount of time on a common mission toward a common goal and you face obstacles and adversities and setbacks and apparent defeat, but then enjoy the blessedness of success. What happens? A powerful bond is created. That's how deep friendships and relationships of trust and respect are formed. Can we even begin to imagine the depth of the inseparable bond brotherhood that was Barnabas and Paul. Oh, oh. There arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Make no mistake, the English translation, a sharp disagreement may not be quite strong enough. The underlying Greek word is the word from which we get the English word paroxysm, which means a sudden, violent outburst of emotion, a fit. Paul and Barnabas, brothers in Christ, butted heads, locked horns, had it out with each other, and separated from each other. What was it all about? Well, Paul proposed that he and Barnabas return to all the cities of their first missionary journey to visit the believers and check on them. Great idea! Barnabas wanted to take along John Mark. Who was John Mark? Well, he was from Jerusalem, and his mother, whose name was Mary, owned a large house in Jerusalem where many of the believers would gather. So... His mother was a rather prominent member of the Jerusalem church and likely rather well-to-do since she owned this rather large house where the believers gathered. And if you remember the story of Peter's miraculous escape from prison when the angel came and opened the prison doors, well, it was to Mary's house that Peter went. So John Mark was very much a part of that original mother church in Jerusalem his mother was had a very significant role in that church and it just so happens that John Mark was also Barnabas's cousin <laughs> well Barnabas and Paul had brought John Mark with them from Jerusalem when they came back to Antioch, and from Antioch, John Mark accompanied them at the beginning of their first missionary journey, but soon thereafter, John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. That's chapter 13. That's all that Luke tells us. He doesn't tell us why John Mark left Barnabas and Paul and returned to Jerusalem. And there's been a lot of speculation about that. It's all in the commentaries. Everybody wants to know, was the trip just too tough for him? Did he miss the comforts of home and mama's cooking? Did he a good, well-to-do Jewish boy from Jerusalem have some reservations about intermingling too much with the Gentiles? We don't know. Verse 38 in the ESV says that John Mark had withdrawn from them, but other translations say deserted. And that might be closer to the truth because the underlying Greek word does carry the nuance of a defection from or abandoning of the mission. But the bottom line was that Paul thought that John Mark had disqualified himself as a missionary and did not want to take him along with them again. And so a paroxysm of disagreement arose between Paul and Barnabas so that they separated from each other. Sad, but true. But these things are written for our instruction. What can we learn from this? Now, first of all, notice very carefully how the Holy Spirit very judiciously, very circumspectly, superintended Luke as he wrote this account. Who was right and who was wrong? Barnabas or Paul? the scripture doesn't really say. Again, there's all kinds of speculation, you know. We, we, we tend to want there to be a right guy and a wrong guy, someone we can defend and someone on whom we can pin the blame. So, for example, we might be tempted to say, well, that's tall for you, too strict, insensitive, hard-headed, unyielding, too demanding, uncompromising. Or we might say, good old Barnabas, such a nice guy, always for the underdog, always trying to see the best in people, always giving the benefit of the doubt, such an encourager. But you know Barnabas can be really naive and unrealistic and soft. He just can't make the hard decisions that have to be made sometimes. And he was was caught, bless his heart. He didn't want to hurt his cousin's feelings. And he sure didn't want to offend his Aunt Mary. (laughs) But the scripture doesn't say any of that. The scripture does not get caught up in finger pointing and nah, nah, or choosing sides. This passage does not throw mud on either Paul or Barnabas. So what do we make of this? And what can we learn from what seems to be an unfortunate incident in the life of these two great Christian men? Well, the fact is that sometimes Christian people must agree to disagree agreeably without a paroxysm of emotion, without a fit. Now, we're not talking about matters of doctrine which strike at the heart of the gospel or the essential doctrines Articulated, for example, in the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. No, on matters of essential doctrine, we are commanded to hold the line to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So we're not talking about that, and we're not talking about matters related to the clearly revealed moral law of God, the Ten Commandments, or to the ethical imperatives, the moral commands of the New Testament. No, because when the Scripture speaks, it speaks with supreme authority to which we are to submit in grateful obedience. But on matters on which the Scripture does not speak definitively, For example, a specific mission strategy or mission plan. How much money ought to be allocated in the church operating budget for this or for that? Or, for example, how specifically to handle a very complicated case of church discipline? How ought we to proceed? Or... What new areas of ministry and mission ought we to commit ourselves in the future in a major way, which might mean not committing to other areas of ministry and mission? In such cases, we always need to remember that reasonable minds may and often do differ It's quite possible, if not probable, that in cases such as these, one mature Christian can have this perspective and another mature Christian can have an opposing perspective. And that does not necessarily mean that one is right and one is wrong. It just means that they are different. And you know, this applies in general to all relationships. I bet that most of us In this sanctuary, have lived long enough to have a sharp, to have had a sharp disagreement, a paroxysm of disagreement with someone we love. Right? Well then, as Christians, it is important for us to learn in these non-essential, non-moral issues that we sometimes need to agree, to disagree, agreeably, without taking it personally. (laughs) In his commentary on this passage, John Calvin really struggled with it. On the one hand, he didn't pass judgment on either Paul or Barnabas. On the other, he leans a little bit in favor of Paul's wisdom not to take John Mark. (laughs) But I mean, really, who, after all, wouldn't want to kind of side a little bit with the Apostle Paul? But then Calvin makes the comment that Paul might have found a way to yield to Barnabas's desire. He writes, some middle way, whereby Paul might have granted somewhat to the pleas of Barnabas, without doing damage to true doctrine nor endangering man's salvation. So, continues Calvin, we need to learn to moderate our desire, even in the best causes, lest it pass measure and be too fervent. Now, in other words, if I may paraphrase Calvin, as a committed Christian... You don't have to die on every hill. It's always a good thing to remember that your fellow Christian's idea might be just as good and valid or better than your own. Christian maturity may sometimes require Christians to agree, to disagree, agreeably, without taking it personally. But now the good news. From the perspective of God's wonderful sovereignty, yes, Paul and Barnabas separated from one another and that seems sad. But then, there were two missions taking place simultaneously. Instead of, of only one John Stott comments in the sovereignty of God out of this disagreement came a doubling of their labor you see in the Lord's hands this sharp disagreement propelled a two pronged missionary endeavor You see, God who created these personalities of Barnabas and Paul, God who knew the hearts of Barnabas and Paul, God sovereignly ordained this sharp disagreement because only a sharp disagreement could have ever separated the brotherhood of Paul and Barnabas so that there could be two missions instead of just one. So when we hit a wall of disagreement, maybe we need to push the pause button back up and ask the question, what is the Lord telling us to do in the midst of this disagreement? We're experiencing this hard disagreement. We can't get on the same page. So how is the Lord using it to give us a completely new direction for his glory? This incident also teaches us that we all have room for more growth in grace and that we should never give up on or be done with those who disagree with us. Or disappoint us. We also shouldn't give up on what the Lord can still do with us even when we disappoint him. This is beautiful. You see, later in his letters, later in 1 Corinthians, Paul refers to Barnabas in a very positive light. Later, Paul wrote to the Colossians and he told them to welcome Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And in his letter to Philemon, written from prison in Rome, Paul sends greetings from Mark, who was with him. And then... Later, during another imprisonment in Rome, in his second letter to Timothy, Paul wrote, Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. The one whom Paul once thought unfit for ministry, he later regarded as very useful for ministry. Isn't that a sweet and gracious thing? And doesn't it show to us the faithfulness of Jesus who never gives up on his people? And finally, by the way, you know who John Mark was, don't you? You know who John Mark was. Oh, yeah. You know, the young man whom Paul would not take along with him because he was too squirrely or whatever, some 10 to 15 years later, wrote the gospel according to Mark as he assisted Peter in Rome. Brothers and sisters, we all are works in progress through the grace of the Holy Spirit by the mercies of Jesus. Jesus isn't finished with any of us yet. So let us be more like Jesus with one another. Patient, gentle, kind, forbearing, and forgiving of one another. And when we need to, let's agree to disagree agreeably without taking it personally. All for Jesus' sake who humbled himself and gave himself up unto death on a cross for us because he loves us with a love that will not let us go. To God be the glory. Amen. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful love which you have proven to us in your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you and praise you for the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we pray, O Lord, that you would help us to grow in this grace and to show forth the kingdom of your love and peace in the midst of this broken world. Amen. In response to the gospel of Jesus Christ, let us stand to affirm our faith as we affirm the faith of the one church throughout history and throughout the world as we say together the Apostles' Creed. Christian, in whom do you believe? I believe in God the Father...